Welcome to the Journey Home Podcast. Life is full of twists and turns, and sometimes we get stuck or lost along the way. Our desire is to be a friend and resource to anyone who needs a little wisdom, advice, or encouragement on their journey. But most of all, we want you to know you're not alone. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Journey Home Podcast, and we are continuing in our series out of the book of Galatians. Um, and, you know, last week I, sh- I shared out of the latter portion of chapter two today, I'm going to be sharing uh, mostly out of chapter three, but specifically like the first nine verses and then the last two verses, um, or sorry, the last three verses, uh, so like one through nine and then jump to 27 through 29 um, the middle section of the chapter I'm going to save for next week's episode um, but uh, out of those sections of chapter 3 I want to give you today two reasons why the gospel is such good news now of course there are many many more reasons why the gospel is such good news but these are just two reasons that I see specifically uh, in these chapters and so I want to share that with you um, today and so uh, if you listen to last week's episode um, I mentioned that we are now in the part of the letter where Paul is really unpacking uh, what the gospel is and what it is not um, and he's kind of he's already blown the minds of his audience by stating that you know by the works of the law no one will no one can be justified or made righteous before God and for the first century Jew that is such a mind-blowing statement because they were given the law by God right like again it, it wasn't some pagan religion that they were following it wasn't some some tradition that they just kind of made up uh, through the years like this was given to them by God and not only you know was it given by God but um, to them it was the way that they would, you know, essentially earn their standing or their right standing before God. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20 to 25, you know, this is Moses um, retelling or re-giving the law to the Israelites before they um, are right about to enter into the promised land. Um, And so Moses is giving them instructions, like even for the future, saying like when your children, when your son asks you in the future, you know, what is the meaning of all these all these laws basically, you know, and he tells them to explain, you know, how God brought them out of Egypt, how God did all these things on their behalf. And then ultimately he says this, the Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord, our God for our prosperity always. And for our preservation as it is today, righteousness will be ours. If we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So that's just one scripture that um, indicates that their framework, their their understanding of this law was that if we obey it perfectly, then God will consider us righteous. If we don't, then, you know, we won't be considered righteous, you know. Um, and again, God was merciful and he made provision for their sin and ways to atone for their sin. But Again, it wasn't the fullness of of what God intended. But again, for that first century Jew, this is their understanding. And Paul just, you know, flips all of that, turns all of that on its head. And he says, actually, 
by that system, no one will be made righteous. Um, you know, so he again, he's already blown their minds and now he's going to take it a step further, blow their minds again um, by talking about Abraham. OK, so if you're not familiar with who Abraham is, you know, there's way more that I to say about him than I can possibly say in just a few minutes here. But brief overview, you know, he is a patriarch of the Jewish nation. I mean, perhaps the ultimate patriarch, you know, I think the Jews, but really all of humanity, we can trace our um, our lineage all the way back to Adam, you know, maybe even Noah, if you want to. But um, but I think the reason Abraham for the Jews is considered a, is such a patriarch is because, you know, he's the one that God gave the specific promise about his descendants and about, you know, of, you know, they are his direct descendants. Um, he gave the promise about their land specifically. And so I think, you know, more than Adam, more than Noah, you know, they look to him as a patriarch, you know, they'll even refer to their God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is Abraham, his son, and his grandson. And so, um, you know, again, just a, a massively important figure in for the Jewish people. And Abraham, you know, we're introduced to, I think his name is mentioned at the end of Genesis 11, but his story in the biblical narrative really begins uh, in Gen Genesis 12. And we can see that, you know, he's the one that God calls to leave his his homeland, everything that's familiar to him and just follow God, you know, in obedience. And even though he doesn't know exactly where he's going to end up, you know, God just calls him to follow him. And Abraham believes God. He puts his faith in God and trusts God, you know, even though he doesn't have all the answers. And so God makes this covenant with Abraham and he makes many uh, tremendous promises to Abraham you know, he says that he's going to make his name great. He's going to give him descendants, you know, far more than, you know, the sand on the seashore, you know, descendants that he wouldn't even be able to count. Um, land, you know, specific land borders. He does promise to Abraham and to his descendants. And then this incredible promise, which um, we have all benefit, benefited from, which is that through him, and through his line his lineage, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And, you know, I'm sure Abraham didn't fully understand what that meant at the time. But uh, Paul helps us to understand that he is talking about the gospel, you know, through Abraham's seed, which is Israel. But it's Paul says it's actually specifically talking about Jesus through his seed. Um, salvation would come to every nation of the earth. And that is you know, again, a promise that we have all benefited from and we are living in the fulfillment of that promise today. Um, and part of that covenant that God made with Ab Abraham was circumcision. You know, that was the the part of the covenant that God expected Abraham to uphold, Abraham and all in his household. And he even did say that, you know, anyone who doesn't obey that part of the, the agreement, you know, they will be cut off from these promises. And so, you know, for sure, God gave Abraham a part to obey, right, um, in this covenant. But here's the thing, Paul has been making the point that salvation, justification, righteousness, you know, whatever, is not is by faith. It's a work of the Spirit. It is not by our works. It's not by our good deeds. You know, good deeds have our place, but again, they're not the basis by which um, we are made righteous or counted as righteous before God. Um, but, you know, again, that's a very challenging statement 
um, again, because of Israel's history. And again, you know, they've been trying to uphold this law for over a thousand years. So this has been passed from generation to generation to generation as something holy, something that was given by God, something that God expected them to obey. And so, you know, you can understand why it is not an easy thing to turn away from. Okay. Um, but Paul is making that case. And furthermore, you know, again, in this first part of Galatians 3, he's making the case that actually even if you go even all the way back to Abraham, Abraham wasn't counted as righteous because he obeyed the law. Actually, if you want to be technical about it, the law didn't even exist when Abraham was alive. The law came like, you know, 400 something years later, you know, in Moses's day. Um, but like even that, you know, the circumcision, you know, I think it's easy for uh, people to just associate, you know, the Jewish people, Moses, Israel, um, and maybe even Abraham with the law, with circumcision. It's easy for us to associate those things with them, you know, because they were given to them. Um, but, but specifically, I think it's easy for us to assume that the reason they were counted righteous before God was because they obeyed those stipulations or because they obeyed those laws. But Paul's making the point that even for Abraham, it wasn't his um, obedience. It was his faith. It was because he believed what he heard. You know, so Paul, you know, he's, he's saying in the beginning of Galatians 3, you know, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So again, he's he's really making them think because, again, I think the easy assumption, the you know, it's easy even for us, um, for myself, as I read and understand the Old Testament, it's easy for me to just associate and assume that they were counted righteous because they obeyed. But Paul's really like probing them, like, was that actually true? Is that actually the case? For, for the Galatians or for Abraham, right? Did you experience so much for nothing if in fact it was for nothing? Oh, I, I skipped a sentence here. Sorry, let me go back to verse three. Are you so foolish after beginning by the spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? And so, you know, he's saying they started well. They started believing that it was by, by faith, you know, through, you know, by grace, through faith. You know, they started out well, but now they've gone back to trusting in the flesh, they've gone back to believing that it's actually in their own perfect obedience that their righteousness comes, right? And so he says, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? And then he, and then here's where he brings Abraham in. Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. That phrase, you know, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness actually was also written in the book of Genesis. And so even back then it was understood, you know, that Abraham's righteousness, it wasn't through perfect obedience. It was because he trusted God, because he believed in God. And so even though he maybe didn't understand the full details of the plan, you know, of, of Jesus who would one day come and you know, fulfill this promise and die on the cross as the perfect atonement for our sins. You know, maybe he didn't understand all those details, but there was something in Abraham that understood that he couldn't attain his righteousness in his own strength, by his own power, by his own obedience. He had he could only attain it by trusting God. 
and God saw that in Abraham and really that became a foreshadow of the way that God would redeem and save all of us. It's not by our perfect obedience. It's by our faith and our trust in God. And so, again, why does that matter so much? Why is that good news? So here's my first reason why the gospel is such good news is that it depends upon God and his faithfulness and his goodness, not upon us and our faithfulness and our goodness. You know, and that was true for Abraham, it was true for Israel, and it's true for us today. It was true for the Galatians, and it's true for us today. It's not by our works of the law, by our perfect obedience. It's by believing God, by trusting in God. And if we do that, he will credit it to us as righteousness. And again, as I've said in previous episodes, that's bad news for you if you still think you're good enough or you know, you're a good enough person or you have the ability to perfectly obey God and, you know, you can earn that righteousness before God. It's bad news for you, but for everyone else, you know, most of us, I think, who understand that we don't, we can't be righteous without him. We can't be holy without him. Um, this is such good news because it's dependent upon God and his promises and he's the one who's ultimately going to take the responsibility to fulfill his own promises, you know. And again, there's a part we have to play. We respond to God's faithfulness and his action, but it's not ultimately dependent upon us, if that makes sense. It's, it's dependent upon God. That is good news, and that is my first reason why the gospel is such good news. My second reason why the gospel is such good news, it, it, it comes... Um, from verse 7 through 9, and then the end of the chapter, verse 27 through 29. Um, so Paul says, You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, who had faith. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, he says, For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Um, so as I was, you know, again, he's talking about Abraham uh, f further and um you know, as I was reading this chapter, it reminded me so much of a chapter in, in the book of, in the Gospel of John. Um, in chapter 8, it records a conversation, or perhaps it's a series of conversations that Jesus is having with um, the Pharisees, you know, teachers of the law, um, and then in some cases, it just says the Jews. So it's not super specific in who specifically, but the point is, members of the Jewish community, Jesus is having this this debate or this dialogue or whatever you want to call it, um, and you can just kind of tell, like, they really take a lot of pride in being descendants of Abraham. It's almost as if they believe that being a, a descendant or a blood relative of Abraham is what makes them righteous, you know, because basically every statement that Jesus makes, their rebuttal to it or their counter argument is always something along the lines of, oh, but we're descendants of Abraham. Oh, but Abraham's our father. You know, it's almost as if they're saying, like, no, we're good, Jesus, you know, like, I know you keep telling us, you know, these things, but like, 
we're okay, we're good, we're righteous before God because, you know, hey, don't you know, we're like Abraham's sons, Abraham's descendants. And, you know, Jesus says, of course, that's true. Like in a, in a, in a linear lineage sense, you know, you are re descendants of Abraham, relatives of Abraham, but, um, you know, Jesus, you know, never, never afraid to shy away from the truth, you know, and never afraid to speak the truth. Um, he basically tells them like, yeah, you think you're Abraham's sons. Technically, that's true. But in reality, your father is the devil. You know, he's basically telling them you're actually sons of the devil. You're spawn of Satan, basically, you know, because his point is what makes someone a son of Abraham. It's not just the blood re relation, you know, it is your trust in God. It's your obedience to God. It's how you live before God. That's what makes you a son of Abraham. But in your case, you know, you're not doing that. You're actually doing the opposite. You're doing evil. Um, and so therefore, your, your father is the devil, you know. So again, I mean, it's one thing to tell someone they're not, a, to, to tell a Jew they're not a son of Abraham, but to tell them they're, you know, a son of the devil. I mean, can't get more offensive than that, you know, but, um, but anyway, again, it seems like they just assume that because they're descendants of Abraham, that alone is what makes them righteous. But, you know, compare that to what Paul is saying here in Galatians, you know, it's not just the, the ethnic Jew who is the son of Abraham. No, God, in God's eyes, anyone who has faith, is is brought into that family is blessed right along with abraham is made an heir you know according to that promise in other words they get the full rights the full status the full inheritance that a faithful jew would have a gentile can even have that too and that's an offensive statement you know and so this is my second point of why the gospel is such good news is that all are invited to come all are invited to join the family of God. All are welcome at his table. All are welcome in his household. If we are willing to, you know, again, repent and turn from our sin, put our faith in Jesus, um, put our trust in God, put our trust in Jesus to save us, not in our own strength, then we will be considered a son of Abraham just as much as any um, devout Jew. Now, again, depending on your vantage point this you know i'm saying it's good news but it could be bad news right like for the you know for the jew you know again i don't believe every member of the jewish community at the time um was you know elitist or racist or whatever but i definitely think some were you know like there was definitely a way that they looked at the gentiles you know where they kind of looked down on them they were unclean they were you know just pagan you know sinners whereas you know the jews were the righteous ones, you know, like there was definitely, you know, a way that they looked down on them and maybe they, you know, maybe for some of them, they took pride or they took comfort in feeling like they were part of some elite group or elite club, you know, that's just human nature. It's not exclusive to the Jew, you know, we can all do that in our own way, you know, for whatever social circle or whatever group that we feel a part of, you know, we can all you know fall into that trap of elitism or exclusivity you know but um but that's the beautiful thing about god and the beautiful thing about the gospel is that he opens it up to anyone anyone can come and so that statement that paul makes where 
you know, he says there's no Jew or Greek, there's no slave or free, there's no male and female. His point is not that those, you know, realities go away, like you don't stop being Jewish or you don't stop being Greek, you know, because you put your faith in Jesus. That's not his point, you know, but his point is that those distinctions that humanity often uses to to exclude or to differentiate, you know, one from another, those categories are, don't exclude you from becoming an heir of salvation. They don't exclude you from becoming, you know, not just a son of or daughter of Abraham, but a son of God. You know, they don't exclude you. They don't limit you. You know, um, and again, that is good news for the heart that is weary of being excluded, of feeling like. They got dealt a bad hand in life, you know, you know, people who have been victims of oppression, uh, people who have been excluded because of, you know, something like your race or your gender or your socioeconomic status, you know, your power uh, in society, you know, whatever it is, you know, that that has led you to feel like you can't um you know, attain this, this standing or this status before God, you know, God says those things will not exclude you. In, in my eyes, you're all equal. You're all um, equally worthy to come and become a part of my family. We're all unworthy, of course, in, in one sense, but in another sense, we're all, God dignifies us all in that way by inviting all of us to come, you know, no matter our background, no matter our family doesn't matter. We're all invited. And so, um, again, th this is good news. Um, and it's not just, you know, for the Galatians and for the church 2000 years ago. You know, these are issues that we continue to wrestle with and struggle with today. And so I want to close this episode just by posing some questions that I hope will uh, will provoke some reflection that will challenge you. Um, you know, for the 21st century believer, for the 21st century pastor or leader, here are some questions that I would um, take away from these sections of Galatians chapter 3. Um, first question is this, have we allowed our faith or have we turned our faith um, into or have we allowed our faith to become something it was never intended to be? Um, you know, in this case, Paul is, again, you know, challenging the Galatians, are we starting to put our trust in our works once again? Are we putting our trust in our own flesh once again? You know, and that is easy for any of us to fall into that trap. You know, we start out well. We start out by putting our faith in Jesus. We're so glad, right, when we get first get saved because we realize, oh, it's it's something God has done. It's not about my perfection or me being perfect. Um, and we start out so happy and so relieved, but over time, that that flesh starts to creep back in, right? We start to gradually, without realizing it, putting our trust back into those works, back into that flesh. And, you know, we have to fight that battle even today. You know, we, you know, again, there is a place for good works. There is a good place. There is a place, you know, for obedience. You know, I believe it's the only proper response to this gospel right like if we really believe that god has freely accepted us um and he gives us that righteousness he gives us salvation as a free gift then the only appropriate response is to obey him is to live a life of 
worship and righteousness and, and holiness and gratitude before him. That is the only right response. Um, but that's very different from saying that is the way that we enter in. That is the, um, those are the prerequisites for us to enter in, you know, and we have to be careful in our teaching, in what we communicate in our churches and in our cultures explicitly and implicitly. Um, you know, we have to beware of that because it is a common trap for all humanity. Okay, so that's my first question. Have we turned our faith into something it was never intended to be? Um, second question is this, is that do we think, you know, even if it's subconscious and we don't realize how much we think this, do we think that our righteousness comes because we belong to a particular group? You know, whether that's, again, a race, an ethnic group, a gender, a socioeconomic status. Maybe for others, it's a political party. Maybe for others, it's a, a specific church or movement or denomination. You know, do we think that our righteousness or our salvation or, you know, it comes from those things rather than just the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ, you know? If, if, if we have blurred those lines, if, you know, we have associated, again, our belonging in the family of God uh, more with those things than with just simply having put our trust in Jesus, then, again, we need to unpack that a bit. We need to unblur those lines, you know, and you know, you guys know that I'm a Korean American. I grew up, you know, for the first like 20 something years of my life in Korean churches. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the, those experiences and I'm grateful for the Korean church. But at the same time, I can definitely see how those lines got blurred, you know, between culture, um, ethnic things and the gospel. Right. Like because, you know, to in some Korean churches, honestly, you know, the, at least the implicit message, even if it's not explicitly stated, the, the implication is that if you're going to follow Jesus, then you need to, you know, eat Korean food and learn some Korean, you know, cult customs and culture, cultural things, and maybe even have to learn the Korean language, you know, like, I know that might sound funny to some of you, but like, I've, I have seen that happen, you know, and again, I'm, there's nothing wrong, you know, with, learning Korean or, you know, like learning about the culture. But again, that's not the gospel, though. That's not the requirement to enter the family of God and the kingdom of God. And sometimes those lines are blurrier than you might think. And again, that's just in my context. But in your context, I'm sure you can think of examples of how those lines perhaps have become blurred. And we need to unblur those lines just as Paul, you know, worked pain you know, painfully, you know, he took the pains to unblur those, help unblur those lines for the Galatians and for the other churches. I think we have to do the same. Okay. Um, so that's my second question. My third question is, have you ever felt excluded or felt to feel less than within the church or within the family of God because of, you know, something like your race or your gender or your socioeconomic status or, or whatever, you know, um, you know, there's good news for you. You know, I think those experiences have more to do with the weakness and the failings of men and leaders, you know, or, or just people or Christians in general, um, than it has to do with the heart of God. You know, we can see 
Paul says it so clearly, you know, like there are no second class citizens. There's, you know, all are, you know, equal footing at the foot of the cross, you know. Um, there's no, you know, I think there's a special place in history and in the heart of God for the Jewish people, but he also embraces the Gentiles and he, he allows us to be just as much heirs of his promises as they are. And so, um, you know, if you've ever been made to feel excluded or less than, I want to encourage you like that isn't the heart of God for you. And, you know, take comfort in Paul's words. You know, there is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's my third question. And then my fourth question is kind of related to question three, but almost in the opposite way is, um, do you exclude people, you know, from the family of God or make people feel to be that they're less than, or do we impose all these additional requirements on people in order to become a part of the family of God, you know, in our preaching, in our discipleship, you know, um, do we, or just even in our mind, are there people who, you know, maybe aren't full-fledged members of the, of the family of God unless they do X, Y, Z, you know? And what, what I mean by X, Y, Z is these additional requirements um, other than putting your faith in Jesus Christ and repenting from, you know, the, the works of the flesh, you know? Like, other than that, you know, God doesn't put any other requirements on us you know it doesn't require circumcision anymore he doesn't require us to perfectly obey the law of moses and follow all these these you know um festivals and holidays and things like that you know it's pretty remarkable when you look at um, the council of jerusalem where they basically debated this jew gentile issue and really like what they walked away from like they boiled it down to the simplest of requirements you know they they just boiled it down so simply and that is remarkable considering how the history that they had and the law that they had been given you know in their people's history it's pretty remarkable how they just boiled it down to its most you know simplest form and you know, I think what we see in that is they were really trying as much as possible not to put unnecessary barriers for people to receive the gospel. Un they removed as much as they could unnecessary barriers. You know, there are some barriers that we can't remove, you know, like you have to put your faith in Jesus. You know, you have to repent from your sin. Like those aren't negotiable, but other things, you know, we don't have to insist upon um and so my point is you know have we even if it's without realizing it excluded people from entering in or have we made it unnecessarily difficult for people to enter in to the church to the family of god and so again these are you know there's so much more to be said about all of this but hopefully you're encouraged by um, my two uh, points of you know why the gospel is such good news and then i hope you're challenged um, by the questions that i just shared um, here at the end and so again you know we are we're going to continue on this journey um, i love the book of galatians it's so rich um, and i love the gospel you know it's it just shows how incredibly kind and gracious and loving 
and merciful our God is. And, you know, I hope that the gospel that the 21st century church is preaching and teaching and discipling others into um, reflects that. And so, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, we will continue next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, but we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, but what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um, you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, so thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.